Good morning, welcome. Um, it is our first time Family Worship Center online. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And how in the world can I say that? Because we're not even at church. But you know what? The church has left the building at least for two weeks. Uh, we are the church. You know, the Apostle Paul said, don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? And that means that I am and you are God's temple and together we are the church and wherever we are gathered in His name, He is there with us also. Paul talked about us being in the Spirit. I mentioned that to you uh, yesterday. I just want you to know that we are here in Spirit to worship one God and because of that we are church. So let's get ready to have church. Everybody say hello. 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 Gather with my family this morning and I hope you'll gather all your family around and, and uh, I believe God God's got a word for us, and I just uh, I want to get right into it if I could. So I'm going to get to the text, to the scripture. We're going to pray first, and then I'll have uh, Cassandra zoom in on me so I can talk directly to you. And uh, but uh, we'll get going from there. We always want to go to God's word before we, uh, when we go to God's word, we always want to go in prayer. So let's let's do that now. Father God, we just thank you for this time together. I thank you for your word. It is precious. Um, Lord, I pray that you would touch every person who is hearing my voice right now, who is watching me on, on video. Lord, we are gathered in spirit together. We cannot be together today physically, Father, but we can be together in spirit. So, Father, I pray that you bless this effort and that you are honored in this effort, Lord, as we come together to, to seek your word, to seek your truth and honor you you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. amen. So we're going to go right into the text. So if you have your Bibles or devices, if you'll turn to the book of 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5. Now I want to set this up for us really quick. So 1 Peter chapter 5, the whole book is a letter from Peter to the church at a very difficult time for the church. Peter is talking to the Christians who have gone into exile. Now they've been exiled, they're out out of their homeland. They're not in Israel, which is their home. They're, they're all dispersed all over the world. And he says this letter is to the exiles in dispersion. Um, and all those Jews, they are, they are experiencing great trials and great tribulation in this very difficult time. Um, so they're being persecuted. They're having problems coming up with um, you know, resources. Uh, they're, they're foreigners in foreign lands. And they've come to faith in Jesus Christ. And, and and as many times when we come to faith in Christ, we, we might think, wow, everything's supposed to be better. There's this new hope and this new joy and this new life I've found in Christ. But this church, all these people outside the, the, uh, of Israel, they were experiencing great tribulation. Even the ones at home were experiencing tribulation. If you remember the Apostle Paul before his conversion, he was hunting down the Christians to, to, to put them in prison in their own homes, in their own homeland in Israel, the land that God had given them. So Peter is writing this letter to, this, to the churches who are outside, who are, they've become very discouraged because of the hard times that have fallen on them. And they're confused about what can we do and, and why is all this happening. And so it is a very 
poignant letter, and I think it speaks directly to what we are going on, going through today in in the church, uh, as particularly with the things going on in the world. There's a lot of uncertainty today. So let, let's just go right to the text. If you have your your scripture, First Peter chapter five, I'm going to read it as normal, and then we'll go back and walk through it and see what the Lord has to say to us. Beginning in verse six, Peter says. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now that is a mighty, mighty word. And there is a lot that is packed into that text that, that uh, Peter has given us. But I want to go through this, beginning back in verse 6. Let's look at the first thing he says. This is, a, this is a, a declarative statement. So it's something he's telling us that we need to do. We need to put our efforts into achieving this thing. Peter says, humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. That's a command. We need to be humble, to make ourselves humble. Under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, He may exalt you. Now, we got to be careful when we're reading this. We need to look for clues when we go treasure hunting for this rich treasure that is hidden in God's Word. Let's look for some clues. The big clue here in this first sentence is so that. Humble yourselves so that He may exalt you. Now, this is a, a conditional statement. The exalting cannot happen until the humbling has happened. So we must humble ourselves. And notice who is it responsible for doing the humbling? We are. Humble yourselves. Because when God has to humble you, if you are busy exalting yourself, which is what God's job is, and God has to come in and humble you, He won't be exalting you later. If you humble yourself, then God may. Do you see that word may? That's a permissive word. Not that God needs permission, but He has ordained it. He has established it such that you cannot be exalted unless you are first humbled. And the humbling must come from within. So when you have sufficiently humbled yourself, then God can begin the work of exalting you. And that ties directly into verse 10 that we read earlier where he says, And after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to His eternal glory, will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. This is the journey of being exalted. Restoration, confirmation, strengthening, and establishing. And you cannot begin that journey of being exalted by God until you have first submitted yourself in humility under His mighty hand. 
And Peter gives us some clues as to what that might mean. Now you may be thinking, I, I believe God is big and He's awesome and, and I'm nothing and He's great and I am, I am small and He is big and I am little. And, and, and that is humility. That acknowledges that God is great and we are nothing without Him. There's humility there. But Peter is talking about a specific kind of humility. Something specifically that we must do to make ourselves humble in order to be exalted. Now notice though, there's commas around that phrase, under the mighty hand of God that he may, at the proper time, he may exalt you. That is what's called a subordinate clause. It's a, it, it can't stand on its own. It doesn't make sense by itself, but it gives clarity to the rest of the sentence. We, it wouldn't make sense to say, just to start a sentence, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may prosper you, and, and, and so that he may, at the proper time, he may exalt you. That doesn't make sense by itself. When seen with the rest of the sentence, it makes sense. So it's a subordinate clause. Let's look at what it says without it. That's the main thought that Peter's trying to convey. He says, humble yourselves, casting all all your anxieties on him, verse 7, because he cares for you. So this is what it looks like to humble yourself. Peter is saying, in order to be humble, to, to do this to yourself, to make yourself humble before God, under his mighty hand, you must cast your anxieties upon him. And the reason is he cares for you. Humble yourself cast your, by casting your anxieties on him because he cares for you. He loves you. He deeply loves you. And there is a trust there. That's what faith is, is trust. It is a trust lifestyle. You know, people try to twist faith around into being some kind of tool that we can use to get the things that we want. And that's not faith, church. That's witchcraft. That's what that is. You cannot manipulate God into doing what you want Him to do. You cannot twist the Holy Spirit and bend the Holy Spirit into getting the things that you want. Faith is trust in God. It is a lifestyle of trust. And this is what Peter is saying, that we must humble ourselves by throwing our cares upon Him, our anxieties upon Him, because He loves us. I'm reminded of the three Hebrew children. You'll remember that story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were standing before Nebuchadnezzar the king, and there had been a law passed that you have to bow down when they play the trumpets and worship the king. If you don't, it means the death sentence for you. And so they're standing before Nebuchadnezzar and they refuse to bow down. And, and they had great faith in God. It was, they were casting their cares upon God. Look at what they said. Uh, go back and read it. They, they told him, you've got to bow down or we're going to put you in the fiery furnace. And they told Nebuchadnezzar, we will not bow down to you. They said, we trust God. We trust Him. I don't, I don't know what the outcome of this is. I don't know what's going to happen from here on. I trust Him. And I trust Him that He is going to deliver me from this fate. He's going to deliver me from this death, from this danger. I trust that because He loves me. Cast your cares upon Him because He cares for you. I trust Him because He loves me. But look at what He said. He wasn't trying to manipulate God. wasn't trying to get something out of Him or try to manipulate the Holy Spirit or, or change the rules of engagement or anything like that. What did He say after that? They said, even if God does not deliver us, we will still not bow to you because only He is worthy of our praise. He is one God and He alone is worthy. Even if... Now that, that's, some, that's some uncertainty there. Wouldn't you agree? 
They, they weren't sure they would get out of it. We believe, we trust God is going to take care of us. I'm going to cast my care upon Him and, and, and whatever happens, even if He doesn't deliver us from this fire, even if we die, we perish a very painful death, I still will not bow because He is my God. He loves me. And that's what Paul said in Romans. We know all things work together for good to them who know who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. He, that's what where this trust comes in. Good or bad. Pain, sorrow, plenty. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ. He's talking about how I can be, how can I can abound, how I can be a base, how I can have a lot, how I can have a little, I can suffer, I can be have peace, I can be in conflict. I can do all those things because Christ strengthens me. And that's exactly where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were. We can, we can go through this fiery furnace and God can deliver us miraculously or we can die a very painful death. And I can do that rejoicing in God because He strengthens me. He cares for me. And whatever happens, God is sovereign and He knows what's going on and it is for my ultimate good. Pastor cares upon Him because He cares for you. But look at what He says back in 1 Peter, the very next verse. We care. This is not some flippant thing. We don't just throw caution to the wind. The three Hebrew children didn't throw caution to the wind. And neither should we. Peter says, Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Be vigilant. You've got an enemy. And he is roaming around looking for ways to, to destroy you, seeking who he may devour. You have to be careful. Cast your cares upon God, but be careful. That seems like it might come into conflict, but it's not. We are supposed to be vigilant, ever watchful, because there is an enemy, church. And right now, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you about a physical enemy. And Peter was talking about a physical enemy and a spiritual enemy. You know, they were being persecuted. And he says the enemy, Satan, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. He wanted to destroy their homes and their livelihoods and their bodies and their freedom. He also wanted to destroy their hope. If he can get your hope, he can get your soul. This is a big deal, church. We cannot lose hope in times of uncertainty. We cannot lose hope when everything's shutting down, everything's falling around us. Our hope has not changed. Christ is our sure and solid foundation. I think it is so interesting that in the divine providence of God, for the last six weeks at least, we have been talking about our blessed hope. I had no clue this stuff was going to happen. None of us did. But this is where God had us in His Word, looking at what is coming next, looking at our sure and solid foundation, our eternity with Him, how how. How absolutely rock solid that promise is that we will one day be with Him in glory. You know, it is appointed to every man wants to die. Even Lazarus, who Jesus raised from the dead, he died. Everybody is going to die. But we will, those of us who believe in Christ, who have made our hope in Him, will live forever in glory. And that, that hasn't changed. None of that changes. This, they can shut everything down. It can get dark. The skies can go black. The earth can split open. None of that changes. Our hope is secure. That's why we can cast our care upon Him. He cares for us. Our hope is secure. But there's that cautionary statement to be sober and be watchful. 
This is not the time. The, faith is not an excuse to be careless. Faith is not a reason to be unreasonably, unnecessarily risky. I'm reminded of when uh, Jesus was taken, he was being tempted by Satan, and, and Satan took him to the top of the temple. And he said, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself off this temple, for it is written. And then he begins quoting Psalm 91, which has gained a whole lot of popularity the last few days, because it specifically addresses pestilence and disease and sickness and God's promises surrounding that. Satan specifically quotes Psalm 91 and says, for it is written, Jesus, that he will give his angels charge over you, and he will bear you up on their wings, lest you dash your foot against a stone. So he's tempting Jesus with the promises of God. And Jesus turns around and says, mm, not having that, because God said, thou shalt not test the Lord thy God. And if I throw myself off this, this temple, I am putting him to the test, and I don't test him. He is the one who tests the soul. So it, Jesus was given the promise of God. And if anyone had the right to call down angels to protect him, it was the Son of God for sure. But that is no reason for us to walk and in, in carelessness and, and to not be vigilant and to not be sober-minded and to not be careful. We are called to be both faithful, not being driven by fear, but careful. You know, the early church, they were, they were, they were being... Oh, they were being uh, persecuted and they couldn't meet just anywhere. They had to be very creative about how they meet and where they meet. They had to be very creative about what they said to one another and who they talked to and how they said things. Because if they said things the wrong way or they spoke to the wrong person about the wrong thing, that could have meant their death. That could have meant them being imprisoned for, for life and uh, put to hard labor. You don't even have to go back to the early church. You can look at the church across the world right now in the Middle East and in other countries that are hostile toward Christianity. They have to fear for their lives. They have to be very careful about how they do church, very creative about how they do church. If they say the wrong thing to the wrong person, they could be put to death on the spot or worse yet, have to watch their family be put to death in order to force a denial of Christ out of them. These are scary times, not because of the coronavirus. That has brought the world to its knees, and wow, how it makes our, the work of our hands look so fragile, which is why my hope has to be in something a bit more solid than human work and human wisdom. But look at, just look across the world at the ongoing persecution of the church. They have to be creative in how they do it. We are facing an enemy here, not a hostility towards our, our religion, but there is an invisible enemy that is, that is attacking the world that is after our health. And it, it's real. And we would be foolish to deny the reality of the situation. Be sober. Be vigilant. There will be some suffering for a while. We have to be careful and be wise as we move forward in this. But we can move forward together. Thank God for technology that's allowing me to connect to you now and allowing you to connect to me. Thank God for that. We have to be creative in how we do church. We have to be creative in how we, how we join together in the Spirit. But God has given us means with which to do that. And I encourage you to not lose heart. Cast your cares upon God. Let's walk in faith together, being sober, being vigilant, not taking unnecessary risks. Now, there are people that you have to serve. There are people that we have to serve. 
my, my wife, um, there are kids who will not be able to eat next week if she does not go out and, and take them food. I have to serve you. There are other people that we have to, we've got to make sure that we band together and, and build one another up. But that's, we're doing that in gospel hope. And so we're not taking unnecessary risk. In fact, we're being extra special careful any time that we have to go out during this time. Extra special. With special, we're taking wipes to clean everything down and we're taking extra precautions because we're being sober and vigilant while still proceeding in faith and trusting God and putting our cares upon Him. He will establish, confirm, strengthen after we've suffered a little while. And I love the wording of that. A little while. This too shall pass. This too shall pass. Verse 11. To Him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. All of life to the glory of God. What a wonderful way to live. Church, I love you. And I'm praying for each and every one of you. My family are praying for you. If you need anything at all, please let us know. But today is Sunday, and, and since we can't gather together, I, I would like to encourage you to treat today like it was any other Sunday. You know, this is the Lord's Day. Let's honor God this day. Normally, we would, we would receive an offering. We would have our tithes and offering. You would come forward and give it, but we can't do that because we're not in person. I would encourage you to go to our website and use our online giving option that we have there. We want to be around to be able to to serve you. We want to be the church when this whole thing is over so that we can still come together. And we, we need to be faithful in our giving. So join me in that as we honor God with, with our substance. And I know times may look like they're going to be giving, getting tough, uh, but that is where faith comes in. That is where putting our, casting our cares upon Him is uh, so very important. So I love you. Let us pray. And then you guys have a wonderful, wonderful day. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you so much for your word and for the assurance that you've given us in your word. It is such a rock-solid promise that you've given us in our sure and solid foundation. God, I pray that you will give us the ability, grace us with, with the wisdom and the courage to put our, our faith in you. Let us be humble to put our cares upon you so that we are not trying to solve things ourselves, recognizing that it is your mighty hand that holds things up. Father, I do pray for protection for your church and for everyone listening to my voice. I pray for protection over their house, over their children, over every, every area that they go, every place that the sole of their foot treads. Father, I pray that you have given it to us, you have sanctified it for us, that it would be, that it would be solid ground for us to stand on, safe ground for us to walk on. Lord, I bind the hand of this virus, the things that keep us from coming together as, as you have designed in your, your word. And Father, we long for the day when we can hug one another again and shake hands one another and greet one another with a holy kiss. God, you are so good to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Have a wonderful day.